going to be a good day. Yeah. Uh, before I get into the sermon, I, I, I need to, to share something, need to do something I don't normally do because I, I really try to avoid uh, personal stuff and personalities on Sunday morning because that's not what we're here for. But I feel like this morning I do need to address something. I, I heard a rumor this week that uh, Margaret and I were leaving the church and moving to Florida to open a donut shop. Uh, and uh, that was my initial reaction, yeah. And I, then I realized that at some point this week, my daughter-in-law had posted something on Facebook referring to me as the executive administrator of Five Daughters Bakery. And I went, oh, Okay, I probably need to say something. Uh, here's the situation. Uh, I actually, I, I do, uh, I do have a, a little, a small part-time job with Five Daughters Bakery. Uh, I, I apparently got a promotion this week to executive <laughs> administrator, but with, I don't think it changed anything. And and here's the here's the background. Uh, back last May, I believe it was. Uh, Isaac was looking for someone to respond to his emails. I mean, things were just getting so overwhelming. He needed somebody to do that. And I knew he had been, and uh, but he wasn't having much success finding somebody. And then I was washing dishes, and I had an epiphany. And let me just say, guys, washing dishes is a great place to have an epiphany because, you know, your mind is just free to, to go anywhere. And I went to Isaac, and I said, uh, I got a crazy idea. What? Why don't I do that job? And uh, I said, and, and now hear me out. I mean, I don't need another job. I'm not looking for another job. Uh, and it's not about the money. There's, it's not a lot of money involved. But here's, here's the thing. Uh, I, I saw my son's life getting so busy. And I'm not one of those kind of parents who, <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that anybody else is, but I'm not one of those kind of parents who really try, insist on insinuating myself into my kids' lives. It's their lives. And Isaac never has tried to make me feel this way, but I personally was beginning to feel like an interruption uh, in his life. And the people that Isaac talks to every day are his wife, his five daughters, and the people who work with him. And I went, you know, if I had this job, we could, we would be, you know, you and me. And uh, so he went and prayed about it and came back the next day and went, that's a great idea. Let's, let's do this thing. So, uh, you know, if you want to pre-order some donuts or if you want to know, uh, you know, how many calories are in a orange pistachio paleo donut, I can find that out for you. Uh, if you want to know how many calories are in a cream-infused maple glazed chocolate dipped donut, uh, it's a secret and we're not telling anybody. Uh, and you really don't want to know, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, <coughs> but anyway, so that's a story we have. I, I, I don't have any. I, one of these days I will step down from this job, but... Uh, it will not be to move to Florida and open a donut shop. I'll <laughs> tell you that right now. And 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 the, the reason that I got a, a a title in the first place for a long time, I didn't have a title. I just say Ronnie. And uh, and then this one guy didn't like my responses, and he and he shot back and said, "Well, I don't even know who you are. You might be the janitor." And uh, and so 
my, uh, my daughter-in-law, bless her heart, rose up in righteous indignation, and I became the administrator. And this week, I became the executive administrator. <laughs> so there it is, and that's what that is. Uh, what I really am is I'm just a, a dad who wanted to connect with his son. So let's talk about small groups, shall we? Stand with me, and, and let's read uh, a passage of Scripture that you're probably very familiar with, but maybe didn't expect to see it this morning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would anoint each person here to be able to hear your word and become obedient to you as your children. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, small groups, they're... Uh, have been very important in my life, but not just in my life. I, I thought this morning I'd uh, take a couple of minutes and talk about some people from the Bible uh, who had small groups and um, the impact that it had on them. One of those people uh, was David, uh, King David. Uh, David had a, uh, obviously he was a king, obviously he had armies and, and he had uh, servants and, and administrators probably some executive administrators uh, working with him, working for him. But he had 30 30 men that were in particular closer to him than the other. David's 30 mighty men. Now, uh, that's a big, small group. But but within that, and and this is usually the case, within a small group, there's even a smaller group. And uh, and actually, there were were three that that were particularly uh, important to him. Over in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 26, David was, uh, he was near Bethlehem, and the Philistines had an outpost at Bethlehem, and David was thirsty, and apparently there was this great well in Bethlehem, and, and he said, oh man, if someone would just go down there and, and get me some water from that well, and these three who felt so close to David went, well, let's go, and they broke through the Philistine lines, and they drew water, and they brought it back to David. And that's how they that's how they felt about him, and how he felt about them was he was just so overwhelmed by what they had done he couldn't even drink the water he 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 just poured it out before the Lord and said, "Oh my goodness this is this is overwhelming uh later on and then there were even even closer ones because uh one of the guys who wasn't one of the three was a man named Abishai, who was his uh actually he was his cousin uh but there was a time when Saul was chasing him, and the Lord uh, caused a, a sleep to come over the encampment where Saul was. And David said, you know, who'll go down there with me? Somebody, somebody let's, go, let's go down there. I don't want to hurt anybody, but I, wanna, I want evidence that I was down there and that I didn't hurt anybody. And Abishai goes, I'll go with you. And you know, everybody needs an Abishai. I mean, regardless of what your walk of life is, you need somebody that if you've got a situation that's tough or you've got a situation that maybe is even dangerous, you've got a situation that's certainly somewhat risky, but you really feel like the Lord is saying this is what you need to do, it's great to have somebody who goes, I'm, I'm with you. I'll, I'll be there and I'll go. And 
<coughs> excuse me, one of the uh, one of the things that made David such a great leader happened at, at in this particular incident because they got down into the encampment and yes, everyone was asleep. You know, and Abishai goes, well, you know, the Lord's put Saul right here in your hands, and I know you're not going to touch him. You've already made it clear that you will not touch the Lord's anointed. Let me kill him. I, 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 won't, even, I won't even strike him twice. I'll just one time, right through to the ground. You know. And a lot of leaders would go, oh, well, okay, that solved a lot of things, but not David. See, a real leader doesn't just go, I won't do this, but I'll let you do it. A real leader goes, if I'm not doing the dirty work, you're not going to do it either. I'm not going to put that blood on your hands if I'm not willing to have it on mine. So, so anyway, and you say, well, Abishai was his cousin. Yeah, but it says over in Proverbs that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, much less a cousin. So anyway, David, David had a small group. Uh, the Apostle Paul was another one who had a, a small group. If you read Paul's letters... Oftentimes they will end in a similar fashion to what 1 Corinthians ends. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you as do Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote this down, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, Erastus, our brother Quartus, send you their greetings. Everywhere Paul went, he, he formed a small group. He had he had uh, he had he had a small group around him, and he also he also had Abishai's. Uh, you know, they might be named Silas, uh, they might be named uh, Barnabas, they might be named Titus, but but he had them. He he had he had those who were going to who would go with him into the into the tough places. Uh, and over in uh, over in Second Corinthians, I believe it is, yeah, Second Corinthians chapter seven. Uh, he's, he also says, you know, there was this time that, that we were in Macedonia and boy, we were under pressure, uh, pressures from without, pressures from within, fears, everything. But God comforted us by the coming of Titus. Yeah? And it wasn't God comforted us by the relieving of those pressures. God comforted us because we didn't have troubles anymore. No, God comforted us because he sent Titus to us. So he had, these, he had these small groups. He had these needs for people. Now, who else in the Bible maybe had a small group? Oh, maybe Jesus. Now, if you were here uh, two or three weeks ago, I guess, when, when we first did the, uh, the video about small groups, uh, you might remember that I said, you know, Jesus met with large crowds. He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. He uh, I presume there was a pretty good crowd there, at the Sermon on the Mount. And he went to the synagogue. He went to the synagogue weekly. That would have been his practice. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he didn't just go on Christmas and Easter. But, but, but he went, you know, he went every week. Uh, but he also had a small group. And with the large crowds, he shared events. It was exciting. But you can't live there. And with the people at the synagogue, he shared faith. And that was important, and that was sustaining. But with his small group, he shared life. Now, I, I don't, you know, I don't think uh, that they were necessarily together 24-7 every day. You know, you read the Bible, and you kind of get the impression, wow, they were together all the time. But that's, that's a three-year period in there. So they, I'm sure there were some 
days when, uh, you know, John had to go do something for his dad or uh, Andrew, you know, had to go take care of some business somewhere. But, but for the most part, they, they traveled together, they ate together, they spent time together, they shared, they shared life together. And so, uh, see, Jesus would have wanted that because that's what he was accustomed to from the beginning of time. The Trinity is the original small group. And no one can explain the Trinity. Apparently not even St. Patrick. Okay, Patrick, tell us a bit more about this Trinity thing. Yeah, Patrick, tell us. But remember that we're simple people without your fancy education and books and learning. And we're hearing about all of this for the first time. So try to keep it simple. Okay, Patrick? Yeah, real simple, Patrick. Sure, there are uh, three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yet there is only one God. Don't get what you're saying here, Patrick. Not picking up what you're laying down here, Patrick. Could you use an analogy, Patrick? Sure. Uh, the Trinity is like uh, water and how you can find water in three different forms. Liquid and ice and vapor. That's modalism, Patrick. What? Modalism, an ancient heresy confessed by teachers such as Noetus and Sibelius, which espouses that God is not three distinct persons, but that he merely reveals himself in three different forms. This heresy was clearly condemned in Canon 1 at the First Council of Constantinople in 381 AD, and those who confess it cannot rightly be considered a part of the Church Catholic. Come on, Patrick! Yeah, get it together, Patrick! Uh, okay, uh, then the Trinity is like uh, the sun in the sky, where you have the star and the light, and the heat. Oh, Patrick. Come on, Patrick. That's Arianism, Patrick. Arianism? Yes, Arianism, Patrick. A theology which states that Christ and the Holy Spirit are creations of the Father and not one in nature with him. Exactly like how heat and light are not the star itself, but are merely creations of the star. That's a bad analogy, Patrick. You're the worst, Patrick. All right, sorry. The Trinity is like uh, this three-leaf clover here. I'm going to stop you right there, Patrick. Yeah, hold your horses, Patrick. You're about to confess partialism. Partialism? Yes, partialism. A heresy which asserts that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are not distinct persons of the Godhead, but are different parts of God, each composing one-third of the divine. And who confesses the heresy of partialism? The first season of the cartoon program Voltron, where five robot lion cars merge together to form one giant robot samurai, obviously... I've never heard of Voltron. Of course you haven't. It's not going to exist for another 1,500 years now, Patrick. Yeah, get with the program, Patrick. I mean, really, Patrick. All right, I'll try again. Uh, the Trinity is like how the same man can be a husband and a father and an employer. Modalism again. All right, then it's like the three layers of an apple. Partialism revisited. Fine. The Trinity is a mystery which cannot be comprehended by human reason, but is understood only through faith and is best confessed in the words of the Athanasian Creed, which states that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance, that we are compelled by the Christian truth to confess that each distinct person is God and Lord, and that the deity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one, equal in glory, co-equal in majesty. Well, why didn't you just say that, Patrick? <laughs> okay, the Trinity cannot be comprehended by reason, has to be accepted by faith, and yet... There it was, from the very beginning.
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Spirit hovered over the face of the deep. The Father stepped out and he spoke forth the Word. John tells us, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Let there be light. From, from, the, from the beginning, not the beginning of time, the beginning. Whatever that is, wherever that was. The beginning of infinity, the beginning of eternity. The Trinity existed in communion with each other. I, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that there's a Christian myth that when Jesus was on the cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That God turned his face away. God didn't turn his face away. He didn't, he didn't turn away from Jesus. You know, whenever, whenever we come to places in our lives where we're, where we're just going, where, where are you, God? He's there. He's there. It, 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 it's us and what's going on that's, that's having problems perceiving him. You know, God didn't say to, to Abraham, go and sacrifice your son Isaac. And by the way, you don't have to look. And if Abraham had to look, God looked too. God never rejected him. Uh, Bruce was reading the scriptures about Jesus telling them that they were all going to be scattered. Over in John, he says, uh, all of you are going to desert me and leave me all alone, but I'm not alone. Because the Father who sent me is with me. And when Jesus was raised from the dead, he was raised from the dead by the Father, through the power of the Spirit. And so God has always existed and continues to exist in community. And if he has created you in his image, then he has created you to exist in community. Over in Ephesians, well, no, before I go there, let me let me go here. Uh, you know, uh, I guess it was last week that I came up with three reasons why people wouldn't be in small groups, didn't want to be in small groups. One of them was, I'm too lazy. Was that last week? Okay. Well, I've thought of another one. Because of people uh, sometimes go, well, I don't want to get too close to people because people will let you down. Newsflash. People will sometimes disappoint you. Is there anyone here who has never been disappointed by a person? Ha! Yeah, I knew you were just messing with me. You see, uh, Jesus. I mean, did, did he? Did we ever disappoint him? You know, in the garden, he gets his three closest guys together, and and goes, you know, I I need you right now. Well, you got you three guys come with me, and you will you pray for me while I while I go off and and, and pray with the Father because my soul is in agony agony, and comes back, and they're all sleeping. You see, just because people disappoint you doesn't mean that you give up on them. I mean, and, and you know, and there was that denial thing. You know, there was, there was Peter denying him, and yet Jesus didn't give up on any of them. And as Bruce said, they all ended up giving their lives for him. They all ended up laying down their lives for him. Paul uh, and Mark, oh, 
Over in, uh, over in Acts chapter 15, okay, on Paul's first missionary journey, Barnabas was the guy who went with him, and there were a few other guys who went, and Mark was one of them, and halfway through the, halfway through the journey, Mark went, I'm out of here. You know, I'm, I'm going home. So in Acts chapter 15, uh, Paul was going to go on a, a missionary journey again, Barnabas was going to go with him, but they got in a big argument over whether or not Mark could go. Because Barnabas went, we need to take this guy, and Paul's going, no. No, don't you remember chapter 11? That's, that's an ironic number. Uh, don't you remember back in chapter? He left us. We're not, we're not going to take him. In fact, their, their argument became so severe that they actually parted ways themselves, and Barnabas, Barnabas took Mark. But at the, end, at the end of Paul's ministry, which would have been 2 Timothy, he's writing to Timothy, and he says, oh, and by the way, when you come, bring Mark. Because he's really useful to me in the ministry. Just because somebody disappoints you is certainly no reason to no reason to to give up on them. As it says over in, in, in Ephesians chapter four, verse sixteen, from him <coughs> which will be Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now this is this is the this is what it's all about. I mean, salvation, that's where it all starts, of course. But salvation isn't the end. It's the beginning of something. It's the beginning of discipleship. It's the beginning of growth in the Lord. And this is, this is what it is. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that the, those who are in full-time ministry are gifts to the body so that they, they, can all be, they can all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. Those that's what the goal is. It's for us to reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And this is, this is how it happens. He's the head, but the body is jointly held together by every supporting ligament. Was it last week when I was talking about if you woke up tomorrow and one of your, one of your bodily parts didn't work, you would be concerned? If one of your ligaments didn't work, you'd be concerned. It would matter. And those ligaments are, are us, you and those who, those who are connected with you that holds the body together. And as that takes place, as that happens, then, then we, it's, we are built up in love. Small groups have been a, a really important part of, of my life since I came back to the Lord, 1975. This was pre-Margaret. Uh, for the first year. I was going to Hendersonville First Assembly of God, and there were maybe a dozen, I don't know, uh, a few people, 20-somethings, who most of us had just come to the Lord, and we didn't know anything about small groups. We didn't know we were having a small group. We just knew that it was Tuesday night, Thursday night, Monday night. We didn't have anything to do, so we'd get together at somebody's apartment, and everybody brought a Bible, and every now and then somebody would have a, a, a the, the, the latest and greatest hot Christian Dallas home rock and roll album of, of Jesus music, and we'd listen to the music, and we'd and we'd just talk about God, uh, or we'd sit around in a circle, and we'd just go, uh, "Hey, let's all open the Bible and read our favorite verse," you know, or something like that. So you know, you had to be ready. Uh, you didn't know what was coming down, and 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 that knitted me to the body of Christ. And then later on, uh, when Margaret and I got married, we 
went to the Lord's Chapel. We ended up being involved in various small groups that had various looks and uh, things about them. This is one of the groups that we were involved with. Uh, it's how we got to know the Cobles and the Berries. Now, a lot of you probably would know eight people up there, but you don't know who those eight people are uh, and probably wouldn't be able to figure them out. Uh, Bruce Coble's one of them. Uh, Bruce and Jill and Margaret and I are, 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 are two others. Uh, and the reason you don't see the berries is because this was actually a, a send-off to them. Uh, they were going to New York to go to Bible school, and so we all thought that we would dress in an appropriate fashion for Wayne and Jean. And we did. And there it was. And it, and it was great. And then, and then later on, uh, uh, Margaret and I had a young adult group at our house. Uh, it, it was great. We had, we had a young adult Bible study. This must have been my 33rd birthday because that's what that says on that cake right there. Uh, but we, we had this group and they, and they came over and we'd do uh, uh, once a week, we'd do home Bible studies. And let me tell you, Isaac was three at the time, and he would be able to stay awake for the worship part, and then Margaret would take him and put him to bed when we start the Bible study. Kind of sounds like church. Uh, but, 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 yeah, when Dad starts teaching. But anyway, uh, that's where Isaac learned to love worship as a three-year-old, get, getting to worship with all the, with all the big people. It was, it was really great. And we all we all grew, we uh, we grew in relationships. We grew uh, and, and we grew in the Lord. When we were in Zimbabwe, we had a home group. While we've been here, we've had we've had various groups that we've been involved in. And here's what happens: we grew in love. We grew up in love with a whole bunch of different people. You know, we have we've cheapened that word so much. Even in the even in the, um, the the Christian context, we've cheapened it so much. Oh, I I love Andy Stanley. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, I've been I've said that, but you know what? I don't. I I love Andy Stanley with the love of the Lord, but I don't know if I love Andy Stanley or not because I've never lived with him, and he might be a real bear to live with. Yeah. I love Wade Hutchison. Now, I love him enough, and I think he loves me enough, that I can also say this. Over the years, Wade has annoyed me a whole lot more than Andy Stanley has ever annoyed me. And I'm sure that I've annoyed him that way. But we're connected. We're connected. As far as I'm concerned, Wade's an Abishai. If I, if I if I need to go somewhere that I got to have somebody with me, he's on. He's at. He's pretty near the top of that list. He he might be at the top of that list. It's just all dependent. You know, there are a few other guys up there too, but he's definitely one of them. And so I love him because of the connection that we have. And if you're going to grow in the Lord, yeah, you need to grow in the Word. Yeah, you need to grow in worship. Yeah, you need to grow in devotional life and everything. The most important thing you need to grow in is love. And the only way that can happen is for you to get connected with some people. Begin to spend some time with them. 
You know, I, uh, I, I'm not heavy-handed, at least I don't think I am. Some people may disagree, but I, 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 don't, I don't think that I am. But I'm just telling you, you need to find somebody with one of these shirts on. And at least ask, at least show them some love. You know, uh, it, for them to wear these shirts today, uh, there are going to be a number of people. You're, they're out there with their little iPads and, and, and everything. And you would think they were selling life insurance. Because <laughs> there are going to be so many people who are just going to kind of, you know, just breeze right on by them. Don't do that. I mean, at least go, I am so glad you're doing this today. That is great. I'm not, I'm not coming, but I'm really glad that, you know, and that'll be okay. They can deal with that, but, but acknowledge that they exist. All right? And maybe even ask them a question and maybe even get interested and maybe even seriously consider getting more deeply connected than you've been before. Would you stand with me? Would those who are going to pray for people come forward this morning? And if you're here and you, uh, you need prayer, you're welcome to come. This is that time during the service when we uh, open up an opportunity for you to have somebody pray with you. Uh, and if you uh, don't need to come, worship with us. Let's create an atmosphere for, for those who do need to come. That's, that's what the body of Christ does for each other. <laughs>